gathered here at Renovation Church, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to preach God's Word uh, this morning. I'm grateful for everyone uh, on the live stream and for just this small group of people here. I am excited to get back together in a larger capacity very soon. I'm grateful even for this opportunity right here. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. But now it looks as though they're here to stay. So I believe in yesterday. Many of you might recognize those words. That they're not just words, but they're lyrics. And they're lyrics to a very famous Beatles song, Yesterday. A song about loss of love and longing for a better time. How about these lyrics? And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad, the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, and I find it hard to face, as people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Now, you might recognize those lyrics as well. They're the lyrics of the song Mad World by Tears for Fears, uh, an album and a song about Roland Orsball's troubled childhood. Now, these next lyrics you might not recognize. They were significant to me when I was in my deepest and darkest moments. I wrote this for a baby who has yet to be born. My brother's first child, I hope that womb is not too warm. Because it's cold out here, and it'll be quite a shock to breathe this air, to discover loss. These are songs written on a popular level. These are songs that millions of people have sung. And I think they reveal something about the condition of the world. Because we all know and experience suffering. And that their songs also communicate something to us. That we know and experience suffering, not in isolation, but also together, right? We don't just listen to sad songs. We sing sad songs. Suffering and sorrow are a part of our experience in this life. They aren't the exception. They're the rule. And we need to wrestle with this this morning. Right? If you're listening now and you don't know the Lord, and if you're alienated from God, suffering is powerfully pointless in this life. But if you're a believer and you're with me this morning and you're listening, we must ask the question, as Christians, how do we suffer well? That's the question for us this morning. As Christians, how do we suffer well? 
with this in mind, if you would please turn to another, our passage this morning. Our passage, which is Psalm 88, is in fact another song. Psalm 88. This is the word of the Lord. A song. A psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Leonah, a maskil of Haman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near to shale. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death, remind me how I suffer your terror. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This is the word of the Lord. When I was a a single man, I'd like to think that I was a pretty clean person. I kept things in my apartment in order, for the most part, as a single guy, the best I could. But there was one place that was uh, elusive as I uh, tried to maintain a nice apartment. Uh, That place was my refrigerator. There was just something about my refrigerator that I couldn't keep clean. So one day, I'm, I'm going to the refrigerator to grab some food. And I open the door, and I was immediately welcomed by this 
stench of death. It was horrendous. It didn't even matter how many good things that were in my that were in my refrigerator. All I could smell was the liquefied carrots in the bottom drawer. And if you didn't know the carrots, when they get really old, they just turn into liquids. Now you know. And now you don't have to experience it yourself. But it was a terrible smell. Awful. And it's all I could think about when I opened that door was how bad it smelled. And I think that's what we encounter when we come to this psalm. The first thing smacks us right in the face is how deeply sad this psalm is. The psalmist is suffering so much. As we read this, we see, right, his soul is full of trouble. That he's counted among those who go down to the pit. That's sort of like saying the psalmist feels like a, an unknown soldier who's buried in a mass grave. Right? He feels as though there's no way out. He feels like the Lord doesn't remember him. That he's hidden his face from him. And if that's not bad enough, he feels as though his companions, his friends and his family, have utterly abandoned him. And that he's left all alone in the world. And by the end of the psalm, we see that his companion is the psalm, we see that the psalmist's words are deeply psychological, right? This isn't like other psalms of lament um, where we might get direct reasons or causes for the psalmist's sorrow, for the psalmist's trouble. In here, we just get that raw emotion of a depressed and sad and sorrowful And the psalmist, in the psalm, expresses that sadness and that sorrow to the Lord. Right? And not only does the psalmist pray these words, but when we read at the top of the psalm, in what's normally called a superscript, it says that this is a psalm. And that it was to the choir master. This isn't just a personal prayer. It's a song for all of God's people. That this is a very sad song in the Bible's hymn book. And what that should, that should begin to tell us something. That should begin to tell us something about suffering as God's people. That such a song would be included in these scriptures for God's people to sing and for God's people to pray. So let me ask you, what do you think about your suffering? Do you think that somehow your sorrow is unworthy of God? That maybe he just doesn't have time for it? That 
you're a burden because of your sorrow. Maybe you think that your sadness and your sorrow is directly related to some personal sin and that God is just angry with you. Or perhaps you've been, you've been told or you've heard that you're sad because you don't have enough faith. And you just need to feel better about yourself. Don't you know that God loves you? We all feel and experience the sadness and the sorrow just by virtue of living in a sinful and fallen world. Broken. And we're broken. And we feel that hatred. And when we hear the words of the psalmist in this song, I want you to know that you ought to feel a profound permission to make your sorrows known to God. Why does the psalmist cry out? Because he knows God is listening. So, wants to hear you? Boy, when it feels impossible to get out of bed in the morning. When you feel torn up by what you see on the news and you witness people's sorrow and suffering. When you're twisted up by the temptation some old sin and you see it in yourself and you're wrestling with this day. Or maybe you've been a victim of some terrible crime and you still suffer the sadness and the sorrow from those events. Or maybe your tears endlessly flow without any rhyme that you can cry out to the Lord that he hears your prayers in this psalm God gives us biblical lyrics to put to the melody of a depressed soul our God is compassionate and knowing that we would suffer many things in this life he gives us a pattern of words to express our deepest sorrows to Him. We can make our sorrows known to God, and He gives us a way to do this. In your pain and your sorrow, make it known to the Lord. But also know that as a song, this isn't just your sorrows, you're not just meant to sort of push through them privately. That this is a song meant for the community of God's people, for his church, to communicate something to us. If you are afflicted with deep sadness, know that you are not alone. That you have your brothers and sisters in the faith who walk with you 
in your sadness, in your sorrow. We weep with those who weep, and we mourn with those who mourn. But maybe, maybe you don't feel this level of sadness, right? Like, maybe you're not experiencing this kind of sorrow and affliction right now, psychologically, in your mind and in your heart. Like, I don't, I don't feel this way. I don't feel the depth of the sorrow of the psalm. And I think the psalm also does something for those of us who are, you know, kind of a little more easygoing right now, right? I think first, it helps us empathize with those in our lives who do suffer this way. That, that there are people in our lives, in the church and outside of the church, who suffer deep sorrow. And this gives us the opportunity to understand. It's a picture. It's a window into the depressed soul. And I think it also prepares us. Right? We might not be in the throes of deep sorrow and sadness right now. But Lord willing, we may be there. And know that in this psalm, we observe pits of sadness that we may As a Christian, you suffer well when you offer your sorrow to the Lord. When you actually bring them to God, when you voice your cries and your complaints to God. But perhaps I need to say it another way. As a Christian, You suffer well when you offer your sorrows to the Lord. To the Lord. So we need to ask this question then. To whom do you cry? Or when you are sorrowful and sad, when you cry, to whom do you cry? See, I think... Today's culture understands something. People suffer. Right? In the past, we kind of had this, we were ish, there was an issue, right, where we sort, there was sort of a shame about sadness, right? That we just pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, we feel better, and we just force our way through it. And I think that created a lot of shame for people who couldn't just feel better. And I think in the present, there's a lot of honesty and openness about those deep, painful, uh, like deep psychological pain that sometimes we feel. Right? Uh, We have medical science and therapy these days, which are very, very good. And if you see a therapist and you take medication, that's good. It's a good thing. There are so many diagnosed issues that we can treat today with medicine. That's just of God's common grace, and I'm grateful for those things. But I think there's a part of today's culture that gives savior status to medicine and to therapy. That somehow it's going to ultimately save us. 
that it's going to ultimately bring us up out of the pit. Here, the psalmist shows us how we must cry and to whom we must cry. As we look for what will ultimately save us. Verses 1 and 2. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. And verse 13, but I, O Lord, cry to you. The psalmist cries to the Lord, the God of his salvation. All right, God has many names in the Bible, but none are uh, so significant as this name here, the Lord. And if you don't know, when you see in the scriptures, Lord, every letter capitalized like that, it's uh, God's covenant name. It's Yahweh. Yahweh is God's proper name. The Lord was the God who heard his people cry in the land of Egypt. The Lord is the God who brought his people out of the house of slavery, out of the the bondage of Egypt. The Lord is a God of salvation. When the psalmist cries out to the Lord, he is crying out to the God who is able to save him. When the psalmist is in utter despair, it is to the Lord the God of his salvation, that he cries. Right? And when we read the psalm, this is the only hope that we see in the psalm. That the the psalmist cries out to the Lord. Spurgeon wrote, While a man can see God as his Savior, it is not altogether midnight with him. While the living God can be spoken of as the life of our salvation, our hope will not quite suffice. So to whom do you cry when you are in deep sorrow? Or what do you hope in when the waves of sorrow overwhelm you? The Lord alone is God of salvation. The Lord alone can meet you in your sorrows. The Lord alone can bring you peace in your sadness. And at the same time that the psalmist cries out to the Lord, the God of his salvation, he also says something pretty profound. He says that God is the cause of his trouble. That God is the cause of his trouble. The same God who is the Lord of his salvation is also the God who has sent him his affliction. Right? We read, you have put me in the depths of the pit. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. 
you have caused my companions to shun me. I suffer your terror. Brothers and sisters, do we have a big enough category in our faith to recognize God's providence, His wise exercise and control over suffering, over the things that we suffer in this world? Right? This psalm, you know, it's almost like a miniature Job. Right? When we read Job, Job doesn't have the first chapter of Job to understand his suffering. Neither does the the psalmist. But Job suffered greatly. He suffered greatly. And it wasn't merely by happenstance. It wasn't just a random occurrence. Job suffered according to God's purposes for him. Remember what Job says? The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When we suffer deep sorrow, we must recognize this. That which we suffer is according to God's purposes. Right, but there are some teachers out there who might say something like, God doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to live your best life now. He wants you to just feel good about yourself, that you are lovely, and that you should always feel loved. And then there are other teachers that might say, God just didn't know that this was going to happen to you. Right? Like, you're suffering. Hey, don't blame God. Like, he didn't see this coming, just like you didn't see this coming. We need to reject teachings like this. Teachings like this will never be able to actually deal with the real sorrow and suffering that we feel in this life. We must confess with Job. Again, shall we receive good from God? Shall we not receive evil? Now, God is not the author of sin. In his essential being, he is good. And no evil comes from him. This is clear in the scriptures. He's not some malevolent, wicked being sitting up in heaven just sticking fingers down on you, on your chest, making you sad and just playing games with you. He's the Lord, the God of your salvation. And he exercises power even over the evil in this world. And whatever evil befalls you, is according to God's good purposes for you. Whatever pain you feel, 
closer to himself. Now, this is a difficult, very difficult to hear. Um, There's definitely a tension when we talk about God's providence over wickedness and when he uses that in our lives. And I couldn't help but be reminded of another song. A song that I think teaches us the relationship between our suffering and God's providence over it. Everybody knows the song Amazing Grace. We love it. It's an amazing song. That was written by John Newton, and John Newton wrote many other hymns. And I've really, over the years, grown to appreciate his hymn, I Ask the Lord. And in this song, we see the words of a man who is deeply afflicted and troubled. And in the last few lines of the song, we get a response from the Lord. Hear the words of this song. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. Might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. Twas he who taught me thus to pray and he, I trust, has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hope that in some favored hour, at last he'd answer my request. And by his love constraining power, subdue my sin and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. And let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more, with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woes. Crosseth all the fair designs I schemed. Humbled my heart, laid me low. Lord, why is this I trembling cried? Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free, to and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find thy all in me. That thou mayst find thy all in me. This is a song and a prayer of a man of faith, trusting in the Lord. In Renovation Church, we must also, in faith, turn to the Lord the God of our salvation. He alone has saved us from our sins. He alone is our comfort and rest in a world which is marked by suffering. Let us confess that the God who has saved us from sin is the sovereign God 
who uses Saul for purposes of bringing us closer to Jesus. As a Christian, you suffer well when you offer your sorrows to the Lord, who is your Savior. Since we have access to this God of salvation, we ought to continually go to Him with our sorrows. Now, I don't know about you, but I I hate getting up in the morning. I hate getting up in the morning. It's the best thing for me, but when I have to get up, I just don't sometimes. It's just a hard waking up, even though it's the best thing for me. And I think that when we're in the throes of sadness and sorrow, we often forget the best thing for us. And it almost feels it impossible to wade through these sludgy swamps of a depressed soul. But when, but we see the psalmist in this psalm always making known to God his feelings. Right? He says, I cry out day and night. Every day I call upon you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Charles Spurgeon, again, said, His tears wetted his prayers, but did not dampen his fervor. He prayed still, though no answer came to dry his eyes. Though sometimes we are in deep darkness, do you know that you have enduring access to God's throne to come to Him in prayer? Right? The, the appointed time to pray for relief is always. It's always. And the psalmist, the psalmist felt alone in this prayer. It says that his, his friends and his companions had, had left him. There was only companion in the darkness. And yet, he cries out to his God. There was no other comfort to depend upon in this world. So he goes to the Lord in prayer for dependence. Right? And I wonder if sometimes he felt this way. Right? That there's, there's no one and nothing in the world that can, can comfort you in your sorrows. There's nothing for you to depend on. Right? And the temptation is to look to something else, to depend on some worldly thing just to cope. Do we see anything in the psalmist's persistence in coming to the Lord in prayer? It should be this. In coming to God in prayer, we confess our utter dependence upon Him. 
right? We've already seen that we can bring our sorrows to the Lord. And that we don't just, and that we bring them to the Lord, the God of our salvation. But we also see here that we pray in prayerful dependence. That we, we hinge our life on this fact. That this God can answer our prayers. That this God hears our prayers. You may suffer great in this life. You might feel the pressure of living in a fallen world, right? And the temptation to give up. But you could never pray enough to walk away, to embrace the sadness and just bow in also confess that sometimes God answers prayer with death. And brothers and sisters, in that darkness, in that sadness, even when there is no answer, do you know who sang the words of this psalm most true? It's Jesus. Jesus is the best Remember Jesus in the darkness. Remember Jesus' prayer at Gethsemane. Remember Jesus who was, whose soul was full of trouble and sadness. Who was indeed abandoned by friends and family. Who on the cross did suffer God's wrath. And even before His resurrection... Jesus' prayers were seemingly unanswered. Church, take heart in your sorrow. The psalmist asked, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed raise up to praise you? In Jesus, the answer is yes. Jesus sang this song and suffered the true weight of its sadness on behalf of his people to save us from our sins. Though we feel dead in this life sometimes, we await the next life when our Lord will raise us from the dead. And in fact, we will praise our God. We will praise our Lord when Jesus will finally As a Christian, you suffer well when you offer your sorrows to the Lord who is your salvation, on whom we depend. So, we started with a song. We're going to now end with a song. And this song will function as our prayer. 
as I close. And then we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing this song. I pray with you. Whatever my God ordains is right. His holy will abideth. I will be still whatever he doth and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall, wherefore to him I do bow. Whatever my God ordains is right, he never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path. I know he will not leave me. I take content what he hath sent. His hand can turn my griefs away, and patiently I wait his day. Whatever my God ordains is right, though now this cup is empty. May bitter seem to my faint heart, I take it all in plenty. My God is true, each morn and noon. Sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart, and pain and sorrow shall depart. Whatever my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet am I not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall, and so to him I leave it all. Gracious God, we do leave it all, all our sins, our sorrows, our troubles, and our cares in this world. God, give us comfort and peace. Let us know salvation of our Lord. do not know you who suffer in this life that that is us I pray that they would see Jesus as their answer Jesus who can meet them in their sorrow who was a man of sorrows Jesus who is our comfort our life and our rest even as we 